And if you would go ahead and be seated, ushers, if you will, please come and receive the tithes and offerings and prayer requests of God's people. As they do that, let me give you an introduction to today and next week. We're going to be in Psalm 105. And the heart behind this is to help us to avoid making a simple but rather significant mistake. Everything in our culture right now is going to seek to draw our attention away from what is true and best. So we have the opportunity here in, in, in just a few short weeks to celebrate the greatest miracle in human history, which is the incarnation of God in flesh. It is the defining moment of humanity. It is the defining moment of History. Even those who, who deny uh, Christ and his resurrection, uh, they still date themselves by it, whether they like it or not. And so we have this significant event, but everything in culture is going to say, no, 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 focus on Santa Claus. No, 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 focus on red and green and lights and stuff. Buy stuff. Hey, stuff. That's what this is about. Just a few days, we're going to have the opportunity to give thanks to God. But what's our culture trying to tell us? No, no, no. It's about turkeys. It's about wearing orange and brown. It's about getting somewhere and, and, and going and having these kinds of interactions that, that you know, that's what it's all about. Our, our puritanic forefathers would, would be horrified at what we've made this glorious opportunity to give thanks to God. Listen, everything in our culture is screaming at us to ignore God. Our text today helps us to push past what our culture is saying and to see God for who he is and what he wants for us and what is best. And the best thing that any of us can do is to be grateful to God. We who believe have every reason to be grateful to God. He has pardoned us for our sin. He's given us a new life with a new heart and a new mind. His spirit lives in us, is now protecting us until the day of judgment. And God has a purpose for every single thing you and I ever have, ever will, and currently are going through. Isn't that good news? See, God, God is, 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 not, is not waiting to see what's going to happen. God is working out his plan for your life. For those of us who believe that that is our hope. And, and those of us who believe, we have every reason to be grateful. And that reason comes from the grace of God that, that we understand because we know the Bible. It's not because of how we feel. It's not because of what we can fathom, what we can think of. It's because of what God's word has said. And what God's word does for us, those of us who believe, is it answers, it answers the, the four fundamental questions that everyone is asking. I noticed that, that some of you are beginning to notice that I keep repeating myself. I want to assure you I'm not losing it, all right? I mean, I'm crazy, but I, I do have a sense of what I, I'm doing, at least, at least when I'm preaching, all right? What, when I'm repeating myself, here's what I want you to log into your, to your mind. I need to memorize this. If, if I say something more than five times, I'm wanting you to memorize it. And so I, I, there are certain things that I want you to memorize and to be mindful of. Uh, one of the things I want you to be mindful of is, is what the Bible does for us in answering as human beings 
Four fundamental questions. Now, I've thrown these questions up to you before, and I think they're important questions because they're the questions everyone you know is asking all the time. They're the questions that you're asking all the time. They're the questions underneath everything you do and think. So everyone is asking all the time, who am I and where do I come from? We're all trying to figure that out. Who am I? I mean, who am I really? Who am I? And, and we get a sense of who we are by looking backwards. Where do I come from? That's where we human beings, where we get our identity. It's not just where was I born. That's what, it's like, what, what are all these things that have happened that define me? Who am I? Where do I come from? The second question is, okay, so what went wrong? Here's what we know. When we think about ourselves and we're honest, we know something has gone terribly wrong. Everyone in this room, everyone you know, despite their best efforts to look like they have it all together, every single one of us know we've blown it. Every single one of us live with this constant fear of the consequences that may come because we've blown it. Everybody on this planet knows that, that there's something wrong. There's something wrong in us, there's something wrong in the world. So the third question we're asking is, can what is wrong with me be fixed? Is there a way for this to be made right? Is there, is there any way that, that I can be fixed, that the world can be fixed? And that leads us to the fourth question is, is there any reason to have hope? Now these four fundamental questions are answered in the very structure of the scriptures. The Bible answers these questions. The Bible, as you've heard me say, is not a collection of sayings. It's not a collection of stories. It is a single story in how many parts? That's what I'm talking about. Four parts, all right? Can you, can you, can you say what those parts are? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Creation, fall, rescue, restoration. So we ask that first question, who am I and where do I come from? Well, creation answers that. You've been made in the image of God. You are from God. You are his highest creation. When he made you, he breathed his life into you. He made you like him for a purpose. There is something about our race. And by the way, the human race is a single race. God is just creative and he gave us all different colors. We're a single race of beings, human beings. And we've all been made in the image of God. So what went wrong? I mean, God made us in his image. He put us in this perfect place. What went wrong? Well, we sinned. And so now we're having to deal with the consequences of the fall. The world in which we live is not as it should be. Romans says that creation is groaning under the curse that has come because of our sin. This world is not what God made. This is the consequence of our sin. God made us and put us in this place we call paradise, where we were right with him, right with ourselves, and right with everybody else. When sin entered the world, brokenness entered the world. Our, our relationship with ourselves, with God, and with everybody else is broken because of our sin nature. And that, that's why things are not as they should be. And that's how we, we know it. We know it. We know intuitively this world is not as it should be. So is there anyone who can fix it? Yes. Jesus Christ, he's come to rescue us. 
The rescue is on. God himself took on flesh to come and save us from our sin. He took the penalty for our, for our sin. He was raised on the third day. And now all of us who believe we can have a right relationship with God, which gives us a right relationship with ourselves, which enables us to relate rightly to other people. That only happens by the power of God and the grace of Jesus Christ. And, and the good news is he's coming again. They promised he would come, the prophets in the Old Testament. He came. They also said he was coming again. Jesus said he's going to come again. And when he comes again, it's the restoration. He's going to make all things new. Here's the good news for all of us who believe. This is as bad as it gets, folks. For those of you who do not believe in Jesus Christ, here's the sad news. This, this world is as good as it gets for you. But for those of us who believe in Jesus Christ, this is as bad as it gets and this gives us reason to praise God, to be grateful to God. Now, the way we experience this truth is by understanding what brokenness is and how we can be healed from it in what Jesus Christ has done. So we talk about the three circles and we understand God's design is creation. We understand that sin is what caused the fall. And now we're living in a broken world. There's brokenness in our lives, in our relationship with God, with other people. Uh, creation itself is broken. But here's what we know. God entered that brokenness, and that's the gospel. The gospel literally means good news. It's the news that God has entered our world to save us. And if we will repent of, of, of our of our own, own self-religion, if we'll repent of trusting in ourselves and instead admit that we've sinned, turn from it, that's what it means to repent, believe that Jesus Christ has paid the penalty for that sin and given us new life and pursue and recover God's design, then we will live with living hope, eternal hope, life that only God can live. And those who have received this life, we have every reason to be grateful to be grateful to God for what he has done, for how he has been at work. Now the world is gonna call us away from that. The world is gonna tell us, no, 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 focus on Turkey, focus on travel, focus on anything but God. The, the world is gonna say, I, Christmas is about Santa Claus and stuff. Don't, don't, no, don't focus on God. We've got to peel away the lies. We've got to look to the word. and We've got to see what is true. And what is true is we are dearly loved children of the Most High God by grace through faith in Christ alone. Now, as we get ready to get into our text today, I, I do want to encourage you who do not yet believe that today may be the day of salvation for you. Today may be the most important day in your life. And I want you to be ready for the next 30 minutes to change your eternity and be willing to be willing to give that consideration. Some of you are children of the Most High God, but you're not living like it, and you know it. And I wanna encourage you to know that today, today can be the day that you lean back into the love of the Father and be renewed in the hope that he can give you. Know that that is possible today and believe it and be ready to rightly respond to God's word. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, let's go to Psalm 105. Again, this is the Psalm we're gonna be in this week and next. And uh, I'm gonna ask Carson to come and read uh, the first two verses. So let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Again, we're in Psalm 105. 
And uh, Carson's going to read for us verses 1 and 2. If you would, go ahead and read that. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the peoples. Sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of all his wondrous works. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Amen. Good job, buddy. Thank you so much. If you would, go ahead and be seated. As you're doing that, let me, let me give you a, a quick lesson on the Psalms. It's so important to understand the context of any scripture that you're reading. Psalms are not cute little sayings that are helpful so long as they can fit on your coffee cup. That's, that's, that's not true. The Psalms are, are the biggest book of the Bible. And they're divided up in actually five books. So the book uh, that we're in is book four. Psalm 105, our psalm for today, is actually in book four, uh, which I know this is crazy, but follows book three. Hold your finger in Psalm uh, 105, and let's go to Psalm 90 real quick. And I want to show you again, just kind of help you see this in your, in your Bibles uh, to make sure you're, you're, you're tracking with me. So Psalm 105 is a part of book four. So when you get to Psalm 90, if you'll look at the top, what you'll see is it says book four. It's announcing to you that this, is, this collection has been put together and these, this section goes all the way through Psalm 106. So Psalm 90 through Psalm 106 is a collection of Psalms considered to be book four. Now, what we read, of course, in Psalm 89 is the conclusion of book three. In Psalm 89, there are five very important questions that book four answers. And so what you have in, Psalm, in book three, you have some, some serious theology going on. You have some, some serious psalms about the difficulty and the pain of life. And, and Psalm book four, Psalm 90 through 106, seeks to give an answer to that. But you take Psalm 89, all right, look in verse 46. There's, there's five questions this, this psalm brings to the, to the conclusion of book three. How long does God's wrath last? That's verse 46. Verse 47 through 48 asks, does God understand how frail we are as human beings? Psalm, uh, I'm sorry, verse uh, 49 asks, is God true to his nature of justice, righteousness, unfailing love, and faithfulness? I mean, is this really who God is? And then in verses 50 and 51, the question, is God just in, in not taking vengeance against his enemies immediately? All of these questions ask one big question, and that is this. Do these questions undermine God's ability to rule? So what we have at the conclusion of book three are very serious theological questions that we need answers for because we're in this world that is broken and we are under, seeking to understand who God is and how he works in the world. Psalm 90 through 106 seeks to give an answer to those questions. Our Psalm for today, Psalm 105, seeks to give those answers by pointing to what we should and are called to do, those of us who believe, those of us who've been made saints by the goodness of, and the grace of God. But it, but it does that by pointing back to the Exodus and to the life of Moses. We're not gonna get into the Exodus or to the life of Moses today. That's for next week. But suffice to say, I want you to understand that, that these Psalms are not disconnected. 
They, they are used to help us understand our God. Now, the original readers, those who would have been the first readers of our psalm, Psalm 105, were exiles. They were Israelite exiles in Babylon. So they weren't home. They were in a, they were in a place where their God was regularly mocked and where they were told, don't believe in that God. Don't trust in that God. We've got all these other good things for you to participate in. You can go back to the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter one in particular, especially those of you who are young adults, and read about the culture that these exiles were in to understand you know, what is it to be educated in a culture that wants to turn you against God. That's where Daniel was. That's where these people were. And so these exiles are, are receiving the word of God. And a part of that was Psalm 105. And, and Psalm 105 is helping them understand, yes, you're exiles, but God has not forgotten you. Friends, we are exiles. We are not home. We are in a faraway land. This place is not the, the paradise we were made for. But he's coming. The Lord is coming and he is going to restore all things. Until then, God is with us. He has the plan. There is a purpose for every chapter you and I have lived through up to this moment, the chapter we're in right now, and the chapters that are still to come. Here's what you can know. Psalm 139 verse 16 says that we're written in, in, in the, his books every one of our days before any of them came to be. God knows our story. God has a plan for every chapter. He has not abandoned you. He will not abandon you. As his redeemed child, he loves you. He saved you for his purpose. He is with you. He is going to see you through. And you have every reason to give thanks to the Lord. And so that's why the command is right there. Look at our text for today. Psalm 105, beginning in verse 1. Oh, give thanks to the Lord. We who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, no matter what circumstance we may be in, we have every reason to give thanks to the Lord. Amen. So now having established that, our text tells us three things that grateful saints always do. And that's where I want us to dig in today. So make note, grateful saints, first of all, rely on God's trustworthy name. They don't rely on themselves. They don't rely on culture. They rely on God's trustworthy name. Look what it says in, in verse, the second part of verse 105. Call upon his name. Call upon him. Call. This, this last week on Wednesday, our revival prayer focus revolved around Jeremiah 33.3. And that same word was present in that text. Call to me and I will answer you and will tell you great and hidden things that you have not known. This word call, it's an imperative. It's a command. It's not a request. He's telling us, call on him. So those of us who believe, we are being told, call upon the Lord. Now, this word, it's, it's, not, it's not light. It, it, it's, it's not funny. It's not... Um, it's not, you know, just kind of, hey, if you can. It's not like someone saying, hey, you need to call your mom. Okay, it's not that, right? It's like, hey, call your mom. It's like, you know, my kids, it's like someone says, hey, your dad was looking for you and he said for you to call him immediately. Their, their blood pressure goes up 
And, and it's funny, you know, sometimes I like to make them call me like two or three times just so they know. There's an intensity to this, this command. Call upon the Lord. This last week, I made a couple of phone calls. Um, they were very different. They were, they were to two different friends I hadn't talked to in over a year. Uh, one of them had texted me and I called him and he immediately knew by the tone of my voice that everything was fine. And so he immediately began to exercise his spiritual gift of making fun of me. And we spent 20 minutes laughing, catching up, and, and it was just great. But the tone of my voice, the very tone and the sense, he knew that this was a, a, a fun call. It was, it was, was going to be a lighthearted thing. Another friend I called, as soon as he heard my voice, I said, look, I got, I got to talk to you. I heard him say, okay, wait. He got up from whatever he was doing. He said, I'll be back. I heard him shut one door. I heard him go in and shut another door. And then I heard him get someone very quiet. And he said, what's going on? He knew by my tone that there was something very intense that we were going to need to deal with. When we read this, call upon his name. This is call him. This is serious. We need to take this very serious. But we can do it knowing that the one we're calling on hears us, that he cares for us, that he has the power to act. And most importantly, please remember this. He is going to do what is right and what is best with what we say to him. That is so, so difficult sometimes for God's children to believe. Because see, we think we're smart. Can I tell you, there is a reason why the scripture uses the metaphor of children and sheep to describe us. Because we think we know, but we don't know. God knows what's best. Here's what you can know about, about God and what he determines to do. If you and I had the capacity to know everything that he knows, we would agree with every, every single decision that he makes. See, he knows every stream that is flowing into history. He knows everything that is and how it's tied together and how it's working together. We can't know that. We can't know. That's one of the things I'm most looking forward to in heaven is discovering all the different ways that God was at work to bring about my salvation and who it is I need to know their story of so I can celebrate what God did in their life to celebrate what God did in the people that worked in their life. God is beyond our comprehension and what he knows is beyond what we could comprehend. He's bringing all of this together to accomplish his purpose and his will. And here's what we've got to know. If we knew everything that God knew, we would, we would make the exact same decision that he made and that he makes. So when we're praying, we need to trust how he's answering. Friends, realize no is an answer. And all the moms in the house said, amen. No is an answer. Now, what do you do if you're praying and you know that what you're praying is according to the word and the will of God? You keep praying it. Make sure that you're praying specifically. Make sure you know exactly what he's saying no to. And, and know that if, if indeed what you're praying is the will of God, keep praying it. 
because in his time, for his glory, according to his purpose, when the yes comes, it will be right. So if you know that you're supposed to be praying for something, don't just pray for it once. Pray specifically over and over asking God and trust him. Friends, he cares for us. He knows what is best. We are to call upon his name. Now, what is his name? Let's go back to the text. Look at what it says. Oh, give thanks to, look at the name, the Lord. <clears throat> the translators are trying to give us a hint as to who it is we're praying to. Whenever you see the word, the capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, you're looking at the covenant name of God. Yahweh. And this name, when the Hebrews would read their Bibles out loud, that name was so holy, they wouldn't even say it. They would simply nod. It's not the word Elohim or other names for God. This is God's covenant name. What, what the psalmist is saying is, we are praising the covenant God and we are to call, we're to rely on his name. Not on what we know, not on what we feel, not on what we think. We are to call on this great promise-keeping God who has been faithful and true forever and ever. And so we who have been saved by grace through faith in Christ alone, we are to call upon his name. Understand, you're calling upon something or somebody. Listen, you're a creature. Everybody in this room, we're all creatures. And as creatures, we're always living in dependence upon something or someone. Now, what we typically do is we typically depend upon either culture or what we feel and what we think. You know culture is a bad God, but what you may not know, and I'm gonna tell you right now with all the love I can in my heart, you're a terrible God. You are a terrible God. Some of you don't look convinced. Look at the person next to you and tell them, you are a terrible God. Tell them, because they may not know. <coughs> you're a terrible God. Nobody's sitting near you, I'm gonna tell you right now. Both of you already know it. <laughs> Terrible gods all across this room. There is only one good God, and, and he is the God of the Bible, revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you're not depending upon him, you're depending, depending upon a horrible God. Your feelings make for a terrible God. My feelings, the feelings of other fallen human beings, call upon the name of the Lord. He can be trusted. He can be relied on. Secondly, if that wasn't enough, grateful saints, look what they do. They testify of God's good news. So we are to make known his deeds among, his, uh, among the peoples. One of the best things we can do in life is to share God's good news. Now, if you will, know that book five ends at book six. I'm sorry, book four. But look at how book five begins in Psalm 107. Look how Psalm 107 begins. Now remember, Psalm 107 is just not the beginning of another chapter. It's the beginning of an entire book. And, and look what the command here is. And I think it goes right in line here with, with this make known his deeds among the people. Psalm 107, beginning in verse one says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeem of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble. We need to say so. We need to say what God has done. We need to, we are commanded to make known his deeds among the peoples. How good has God been to you? He's been so good to leave his heaven to come and, and seek you. 
He's died for you. He's been raised to give you new life. He's gonna come again and make all things new. This is a good God. And we are to make this known. And I know what some of you are thinking. I, I don't know enough. I don't know all the Bible like, like some people. I don't have all this stuff. Friends, you know more than you think you know. You know more than billions of people. You know that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, that he lived a holy life, that he died for the sins of all who believe, that he has been raised and he's coming again. Friends, those five things right now are the most important five things that anyone can ever know. Say so. Say so. Say so at your dinner tables. Say so at school. Say so at work. People are so bent out of shape and worried about so many things. Say so. Say, look, of all the things you're worried about, are you worried about the fact that Jesus Christ, born of a virgin, died for your, lived a holy life, died for your sins? He, he has been raised and he's coming again. You need to be worried about that. It's the most important thing in all the world. We need to say so. We need to share that hope. You say, I don't know the whole Bible. You know that. Share that. Say so. Testify to that. Last, grateful saints glorify God for his great works. Look at verse two. So he says here, sing to him, sing praises to him, tell of his wondrous works. Friends, this is what we do when we worship. If you're paying close attention to the prayer that I prayed at the beginning of the service, I asked God to, to bless three things in particular. I asked him to bless the praise, the prayers, and the preaching of his word. Why? Because that is what worship consists of. The praise of God's people, the prayers of God's people together, and the response to the preaching of God's word. And that's why it's so important. It's not even important. Let me, let me say it another way. Important, that's, that's silly, forget that. That's why we're commanded by God to worship. Not on our own, not out in the woods, not when we feel... We are commanded by God to gather in a local church and to worship him. Hebrews 10, beginning in verse 23, says this. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together is, is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day, the day of return of Jesus Christ drawing near. Friends, this is not a suggestion. This is a command. And to disobey this command is to sin. Now, I do not know why, but there are a significant number of, of people who call themselves Christians who do not feel uncomfortable missing a Sunday when they, were to, when they are commanded by God to gather with their local church. Friends, if you are a Christian, and you can gladly and easily miss gathering with the local church of which you belong, something's wrong. You need to understand that you're living in sin. Listen to what the Hebrew writer goes on to say. This is in line. So he's just finished verse 25. This is verse 26, Hebrews chapter 10. He's just said, we're commanded to gather for worship. For if we go on sinning deliberately after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Friends, please understand this about our God. He's good, but he is not safe. 
the, the scripture says he is a consuming fire. The scripture here says that we need to be aware of the fury of his fire. Can I tell you something about fire? Fire's good. Fire will warm you. Fire has power. Fire will kill you. Fire is dangerous. I love in C.S. Lewis Chronicles of Narnia, the children ask one of the animals about Aslan, the, the pictured Christ in the, in the novel says, is he safe? He says, of course he's not safe, but he's good. He's the king. Is God safe? No. He's a consuming fire. Any sin that comes in contact with him will be utterly judged. But he's good. He's a good God who loves you. And he calls you to obedience out of your love for him. God does not call us to obey him out of willpower. God calls us to obey him because we're disciples of Jesus Christ. Again, you've heard me say this many times. What is a disciple of Jesus Christ? A disciple of Jesus is someone who knows, loves, and obeys Jesus in that order. A disciple of Jesus knows, loves, and obeys Jesus. It's not we obey so Jesus loves us and then we can know him. Uh Uh-uh. A disciple knows, loves, and obeys Jesus. If you're not living in obedience to Jesus, there's a problem. Again, you've heard me say this many times, worth memorizing. If we know Jesus, we'll love Jesus. If we love Jesus, we will obey Jesus. It's that simple. It's what the scripture teaches. If you know him, you love him. If you love him, you obey him. Said in the negative. If we do not obey Jesus, it is because we do not love Jesus. And if we do not love Jesus, it is because we do not know Jesus. Friends, do you know Jesus? If you know him, you love him. And if you love him, you're obeying him. If you're not obeying him, friend, it's not because you make a mistake here. And it's not because you know, you're, you're, you're just kind of awful. It's because you're not in love with him. And if you don't love him more than anything else, let me tell you why that is. Because you don't know who he is. You don't know how glorious and great our God is. What he's done for you. But once you come to know that, you realize you're a terrible God and so is every other created thing. There's only one good God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, he is the ultimate God who has come to rescue us and to give us life. And it is this God that we're grateful to. It is this God that we're grateful for. It is this God that we call on. This is the God we make known. This is the one we sing praise to. This is the one that we give witness to. This is the one true God. Now let me ask you, Do you know and love this God? Has he saved you from your sin? If not, he is very dangerous to you. You need to repent, friend. You need to come get on your knees and say, Lord God, please forgive me. I know you are an awesome God. You are dangerous. You're a consuming fire. 
please forgive me, love me. I know you have what is best for me. I wanna trust you, I wanna live for you. Please forgive me, give me new life, and he will. Some of you claim to be Christians, but do you genuinely love Jesus? Some of you need today, you need to come get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm so sorry, I'm wrong. I, I am not obeying you. I am not loving you because I don't, I don't know you as I should. Forgive me. I want to know you more. I want to love you more. I want to obey you as you are worthy to be obeyed and trusted. And he can give you a new start, a new fresh start with him. Friends, this is the life that we are to, to live. This is the truth that, that strengthens us. This is where we are to, to function and think and to be grateful and you can only do that if you're walking with God in, in his love and in his life. So I invite you to do that today. And those of you who are, come pray for revival. Look in your bulletin. There's a prayer there for us to focus our prayers around today. Has everything to do with an authentic faith, not churchy religion. Come pray that we'll be revived. Let's stand together as we prepare to pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. You are a, you are a terrifying God. You are a no-nonsense God. You are so serious about sin and our life. Thank you that you love us. Thank you, Jesus, that you've come to save us. Thank you that we can have new life in you. I pray that some today will receive that life. I pray that some of your children, Father, will, will return to that life, that they, they will repent, that they will be renewed, not for salvation, but for renewal in the salvation they already have. And God, as we pray for revival, please bless us. Please allow us to experience authentic faith and life in Christ that can lead and can cause an awakening. Lord, hear us now as we pray. Friends, come, come and pray.